have a pretty uh, long text today, and so I didn't want to have us read the long whole text and then me go back through it and read it again. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, stand, we're going to pray together, we're going to expect the Lord to uh, just meet with us as we open up the scriptures, all right? We're going to sit down, get our Bibles, and jump right into the, to the Word, okay? So that's what we're going to do. If you bow your heads with me, thanks. Lord, thank you that it's your righteousness. <laughs> thank you that it's your blood. Um, Thank you that you have, man, you've just, you've changed our lives. Um, where was I before you? <laughs> I don't even understand what it looks like to do life now. Thank you that that's, that's the dramatic change you do in people. Um, we truly are lost without you. And I pray that you will place a passion in this local body. You will place a passion in my heart. Um, that we would just be burdened by the fact that if people don't know Christ, they're not saved. They are going to hell. They will experience eternity without you. You've been good to us, Christ. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. And yet you gave it. So, Lord, would you just allow us to enjoy you, be expectant as you open up your word. Holy Spirit, bring glory to Christ as we open up the scriptures, reveal our majestic king to us, please. And we ask, Lord, would you be gracious to use me? Speak through me, Lord. I pray that if there's words that are caught up in the flesh, if I'm trying to get my own agenda, Lord, would you just graciously rebuke that and allow what you have in store to come forth so that the people of God might be ministered to by their Savior. Holy Spirit, bring glory to Christ. And I ask that you would open hearts. Um, if, if you could be on earth walking and people turn their backs on you, they hear your voice and yet decline to hear your voice. We know that it can happen right here now. And so we ask, Lord, would you not allow us to fall in that kind of folly? Would you not allow a person to be here just thinking, oh yeah, this is this church. We just, we just read the Bible and we sing a little bit. I pray, Lord, you rebuke that madness and you would allow us to have a passion to want to meet with Jesus. And that you would do that, that you would be faithful. So um, awaken us, revive us, give us the hearts to enjoy you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated, guys. We have Bibles that are being passed out right now, so you can go ahead and grab a Bible. Um, we are going through books of the Bible in our local community. That's how uh, we... That's our main mode of operation. You know, every once in a while we'll go through, uh, we'll do a series... Um, but for the most part, we like to go through and exposit passages uh, just to make sure that we are, are getting uh, the whole counsel of God's words. It's going to take a while, but we want to go through every book uh, in the Bible, and we've been through many right now. We are in Acts. If you are new to uh, our community, we're walking through the book of Acts and just learning uh, more and more by God's grace. What does it mean to be the people of God? How do you, what does it mean to walk with Jesus, to enjoy Christ, to yield to the Holy Spirit? All those things that come in, 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 in reference to discussing Jesus as king and us being his people. Um, just a few ground rules we love. If you have questions that can just really encourage the saints in our local community, they are totally appropriate. Please ask them. Uh, if you have something specific, we would love for you to come down and ask me afterwards. Uh, we, can, we can chop it up big time, but, but uh, just be wise about that. But we would love to have you share, okay? Uh, just want you to get used to, if you don't have your, if you have Bibles at home, bring your Bibles. Open up your Word. Make sure you're getting used to navigating through your own text. Make sure you're getting used to what I call Bible gymnastics, all right? I know we're in a day and age where we, we look at everything and, you know, but I want to encourage you either. I'm cool with the iPads or whatever you have, but, listen, but, but build a diet that you're looking at the Scriptures and you're learning how to look at the Scriptures yourself and also taking notes and things of that sort. Um, and don't, don't get so used to the point that, you know, we're going to have the text up here that you, you lose that muscle, right? Because what I don't want to have happen is this becomes your only diet. And so I'm convinced that if you're, if you're opening up the Bibles and you're going through them, you're doing those things in your seats, that you're going to continue that same exercise even when you're at the crib. Okay, guys? So um, just want to encourage you in that. And if you need a Bible, we got Bibles. Um, some of y'all take them anyway. So here, yeah, you know what? You can go ahead and have a Bible. And that's totally cool. We would love for you to grab the word, all right? It's free of charges, as, our, as Paul said. Praise Jesus. Um, 
We are in Acts chapter 10. Uh, beautiful story. Uh, unbelievable story. It's a, a narrative that we're going to jump right into, guys, and, and just continually teaching us how do we serve Christ, all right? We're going to walk through this narrative, and hopefully we'll get some tidbits from the Holy Spirit and see what God is trying to say to us. Um, I want to encourage you. Uh, when you think of the book of Acts, it was one canon. It was Luke and Acts together, uh, Luke being the author. I'm not going to go through all the different, uh, you know, summary. But in a nutshell, what we saw in the, in the, in the first half or in the first beginning, uh, we saw basically uh, Jesus validating himself, rising from the dead, showing you that he is a king, then basically commissioning and empowering his people uh, to tell the world of his reign in a nutshell. Uh, in doing so, the people of God begin to increase. The church of God began to be established. So I will, as I would say, the New Testament church or because the church of God was always around, praise Jesus. Uh, but then they were trying to figure out what is it? mean to be the people of God under the rule and reign of this Jesus who just blown everything out of the water. So they're kind of figuring that out. While they're figuring that out, they're seeing miraculous things happen so that more people would be ushered into the kingdom. They're also experiencing some in-house cleaning. So you got some people dropping dead because of sin. You got all kind of crazy stuff going on. But in all of that, the church is growing. People are being encouraged and they're becoming more Christ-like. While that's happening, you also begin to see some, some persecution uh, happen within the local body, which kind of challenges them and makes them understand, like, wow, this is real. Uh, that's going on. So people are getting saved. You got a little persecution going on. Individuals die because of Jesus. They realize this is what it's about, right? That I, even if I'm willing to lose my life, I need to be because Jesus is king. They continue to go on. We begin to see all of a sudden these Jews are coming to faith. We begin to see all these different. We, see, we saw back in the beginning of Acts these whole individuals speaking in tongues. But now we get over toward our, our the latter end of where we're in chapter Acts 8 and 9. And we begin to see all of a sudden there's this Gentile inclusion that's starting to happen. So right here we're entering a very important time in the book of Acts. A very important time. Okay. Where we begin to see this individual rise up. Uh, this individual, Paul, Saul, as it were, rise up. All right, he, he then becomes this Christian, right? He begins to proclaim the gospel. And then all of a sudden, we start to see all of a sudden this Gentile inclusion. Individuals are, are starting to, the, the gospel is being proclaimed to first Jews, but also Gentiles and, and Greeks and also Samaritans and all this. But now we get here and, we, and it's almost like the author says, hey, let me just uh, take you back a little bit because we got to do a little work. All right, because we saw basically Paul validate that God is going to do something with some Gentiles. But you know what? We haven't seen some of the New Testament church leaders validate that yet. Okay? So all of a sudden, God said, I'm, I got to do, do some other work here. And so all of a sudden, we see Peter enters back on the scene. All right? And what's interesting about how Peter enters back on the scene, check out verse, chapter, verse 1 of chapter 10. Look what it says. At Caesarea. So check this out. I, I just think, I just think these, okay, we know they're filled with the spirit. We know the spirit is moving. So that's why the Bible is like the best book ever, right? Because Jesus is the best ever. But, but I'm just always blown away at just the, the grammar, how they, how they just marry things for you to remember stuff. Where was the last time we saw Peter having to deal with Gentile inclusion? The first time we really see that. Do you remember it's a very, very famous passage. In fact, this is where uh, Catholics hold their, a lot of their doctrine uh, synopsis of the, of the papacy, right? Matthew 16. Remember, it, when, when that's when, when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Right? Right? Okay, well, what happened? Where is that happening? That's happening at Caesarea Philippi. Well, what happens during that time? What happens? Peter gets mad at Jesus because Jesus says, hey, you know, you know, I'm the son of God. And, and, and Peter sort of, sort of backlashes at Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He rebukes Peter. Okay? So you're in this land where it's the first time where Jesus is calling out the disciples that guess what? People are going to know me and they're going to not be Jews. There's going to be some other individuals. So it's already happened, but they kind of probably took it out of their mind. Well, here we are again. I just think this is amazing. Here is Jesus about to meet with Peter again. At Caesarea, and look at what we're talking about. The same thing. He wanted you and me to understand that this is a very important passage because it's a linchpin in Matthew 16 as far as the gospel. But right now, here's what happened. It says, and we're going to start off. At Caesarea, there is a man named Cornelius, a centurion 
of what was known as the Italian cohort. So you got a guy here uh, who basically in our day and age would be a captain of what they call the Italian cohort. So you basically had your general army of supporters. You had volunteers who, who joined, right, the Roman army. And you had these volunteers who were like really good, awesome, who joined. These were called the, 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 the cohorts. And you had many different cohorts. So the Italian cohort, you had, you, had a, you had many different Italian cohorts. But these were like special, I, I want to say armed forces, but they were a little high on a skill level than just regular soldiers. Okay? The author just wants you to know that this, this dude who is at some level as a retiree, who was a big dog captain of the Italian cohort, is the guy we're talking about, that he's very important. That's the point of the, that's the point. And usually, always remember this, when you're reading in the scriptures, when a guy or a person isn't just mentioned, but he's described, it's probably important to the story. So pause and begin to look at your commentaries and things of that sort. Just figure out what's going on there, okay? So he's a part of a special unit. And I just want you to know that this dude is not a Jew. He's a Gentile. Okay? But he's a powerful guy. And it says in verse 2, A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. All right? So in the Old Testament, you had an individual who was like this and more. They were called proselytes, right? But to be a proselyte, just to let you know, that meant, so, you, so basically you had Jews who felt like they were the purebred because they, they knew Yahweh was their God and everybody else was kind of second rate at best, right? And then those individuals, Gentiles was everybody else. If you're young here, there were everybody else in the world. You had Jews and you had Gentiles, everybody else. You had Yahweh, God's people, and everybody else. But a lot of times what God wanted to have happen, he wanted the Jews to show love, to show kindness, to leave the gleaning in the fields for people to come, the aliens to come, to, to show Christ's love to all the nations so that they would see Israel's God and they would go, I want their God to be my God. That was the point. The point wasn't for Israel to say, yeah, we have Yahweh, you don't, we're awesome, you're not. It was actually to usher in the nations. But that didn't happen. And so what happened, you did have a few called proselytes. But you had, to be a proselyte, you couldn't just say, oh, I like what they do, I like their order. You had to say, I'm going to do everything that the Jews do. That means you had to get circumcised. That means you had to follow the rituals. You had to literally become a Jew in every way except for birth. This brother didn't do all that. He said, I ain't going there, but I do like y'all. And I fear God, and I'll pray to your God, but we ain't going to be circumcising and doing none of this madness, right? But, but guess what? It, it, I, would, I would say to you, and this is just if you're putting yourself, putting, I always say put your first century glasses on. The normal people probably thought it was cool because, remember, Religion is never monolithic. What I mean is that there's not everybody just doing one thing, okay? I mean, you had some very religious, staunch Jews, and you had some Jews who were just cultural Jews like today with cultural Catholicism or even cultural evangelicalism, right? Where we kind of go through the motions, but you really don't love Jesus, right? We, 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 we have that today. They had that then. You had staunch individuals, people who are cultural, and then people who just didn't care, I propose to you that people who didn't care and the people who were cultural thought this guy was really cool. But staunch Jews, individuals like Pharisees, people who actually understood the law, understood the law. They, they taught the law to their kids. They, they were serious about Yahweh. Those individuals didn't like these kind of people, okay? Because it was kind of like, you're not even down with us, but you're trying to act like you're down with us. You're not even going the whole way. That matters when you see the potency of this passage, guys. Okay, I want to propose to you, and I'm going to say this a few times, and I think we get this, but I want to challenge us a little bit. This guy, is he a Christian? Think about that for a moment. Let's see what God says about him. Verse 3. It says, this guy who is, who is staunch, is, you know, he, he prayed to God, he gave to people in the community, uh, people knew him. It says, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision. So here's the guy who's walking around, all right? Ninth hour, love that. He's, he's praying like the Jews pray. And the scriptures say, an angel of God came in and said to him, a vision, right? So this isn't kind of like he was uh, just in a dream. This is like God literally, you know, he's, he's like looking at you and me right now. And all of a sudden he goes into another place. God, God, God doesn't take him there, but in his mind, he sees a vision. Just that clear. So that we can just begin to describe accurately when we see the supernatural things that are happening in the scriptures. 
So supernaturally, God says, you're right here, but right now, you're just in another place, and you forgot you're here. Okay? And in this vision, an angel of God came and said to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, which is cool that he's like, Lord, you know, he's recognizing the reality of, of his reign. He says, your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. Right? A memorial that we see all throughout scripture is like a remembrance. That, that man, God heard you and he, he remembered that you've been praying. I, I remember, I know that you've been praying. And it says, and now, because of your pr- you've been praying, send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, right, whose house is by the sea. And that's just a, another dude uh, who basically a tanner is someone who takes cows, hides, right, and then making them to leather, right? So that's just his work. That's just what he does. Uh, and it says in verse 7, when the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. Check that out. So, you, again, you see his power? He got servants. He got a soldier. Hey, let me get a soldier. I need two servants. I need y'all to go. I just got this vision. Okay? Here's what we're going to do. Devout soldier from among those who attended him, and having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Now, pause. What I love about this. Okay, remember. He is kind of a Jew follower, but he's not a Jew. I love the fact, notice the influence that he has on his family and his friends. Because guess what? He's asking these guys to go grab a Jew. Okay, it wasn't just a one-sided deal. Basically, you know, when someone doesn't like you, don't you start, like, not liking them too? All right? So this is a two-way street. But I want to propose to you that he had already been preaching to these brothers about Yahweh. And so he's, so he's like, yo, you know what I've been telling you about? I've been praying on You need to go. God just showed me something. You need to go to this place. I don't know what's going on, but you need to follow. You need to be faithful. Verse 9. It says, the next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city. So check this out. Look how God is marrying all this together. Supernatural. I love, I love the fact that this, this passage builds such hope. I love the fact that God is willing to do whatever he needs for his glory. Look at all the supernatural occurrences. Brother gets a vision here the next day. Guy got to work this thing out, right? So God has to give another vision. Look what he does here. The next day, as they're on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on a housetop about the sixth hour to pray. So he's seeking the Lord. What I love about, I love this, and I love that sense, right? He's praying like a Jew would pray, but he's praying informed prayers because he knows Jesus. So that's, that's again, just a side note, further evidence of the fact that when they became Christians, they just didn't dispel everything Jewish. In fact, they wanted to still be a Jew who loved Jesus. And they basically got kicked out of the Jewish framework because of persecution and things of that sort. So he goes up to pray, and he became hungry. So he's up there praying. You know how that is. You be praying, get a little hungry, some Oreos, and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, so he says, hey, guys, I'm praying. I'm seeking the Lord. I'm, you know, hey, I need you guys to hook me up with something to eat. He falls into a trance. And verse 11 says, and saw the heavens open, and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, have we seen this before? By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Right? Right? And this, Peter says this, Matthew 16, a different way. And Jesus says, well, you can have no part of me. <laughs> right? <laughs> Calls him Satan. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever done that to a friend? You're Satan. Yeah. So, he said, so Peter's trying to be spiritual. And now, now I, I give Peter a hard time, but think of it, guys. For thousands of years, this is what you've been told to do. Leviticus 11 is clear. Well, guess what? Here's, here's what's interesting. I feel bad for Peter because it wasn't like some dude said it, right? God, we're, we're laying out the ritualistic laws in the scriptures. So this is Yahweh. So he's like, hey, man, I'm just, just obeying you, Lord. Well, Obviously, the Lord gets upset. Uh, it says, and a voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. Right? I wanted to do like a Richard Sermon thing on there, but I thought you guys wouldn't. So. But, um, so he says, do not, what God has made clean, do not call common. Now, look at this. It says in verse 16, you don't see it here, but obviously Peter starts arguing with him again. Saying, no, I can't do this. Because it says in scripture that then they go through this again. You see that? This happened three times. 
and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. So, so first of all, when, when the Bible talks like this, and you'll see this a lot, you'll see um, Peter denying Christ three times. You see this, this framework of three, and the whole point of that is to, is to show you whatever's happening in that moment was convincing. Right. It was like, I'm really trying to let you know this is important. So when you see that in scripture, that's the whole point there. He says he he's telling him this three times and Peter gets a vision and Peter's like, I, I just don't know about this. I don't know if I can do it, what you're telling me to do, because I've been doing this my whole life and I want to be faithful to you, God. But notice this isn't the first time that Jesus had talked about the whole these that, that in Christ, with Christ coming, being our great sacrificial lamb, that all these food laws have actually deceased. He talks about it in Mark. Remember Mark 7? I think we can put it up here. Look what he says here. And he says to them, then are you also without understanding? Because he had just gone through it and, and shared and people didn't get it. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from, out, uh, from outside cannot defile him? Right? Since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled, right? You, you use the bathroom. Thus he declared all foods clean. You see that? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said what comes out of a person is what defiles him. What comes out of a person, not what goes into a person. So this isn't the first time Peter has heard this, right? Guess what? Even, even after that, you got Matthew 16. So he's heard it one, two, a few times. Oh, guess what? Remember in the beginning when they all start speaking in tongues and they hear all these different people from different places, all these Jews sharing their different kind of languages. And then he goes out and they're realizing like, man, okay. All right. So what, what is God doing here? Why is God doing this? He over and over again, we're seeing in scripture that God has making it very clear that Jesus is doing a new thing. And he's saying, I'm the God of the whole world. But yet for some reason, the church leader isn't getting it. I hope that you and I would have compassion and realize it's harder than it looks, right? It's harder than it looks. Let me continue on. So I love what the, I love what the scriptures say here in verse 17. Look what it says here. It says, now, while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine? You just spent your whole life, you serve in Jesus uh, you, you know that, man, you, 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 you're following the laws, and now God comes and just blows your mind. And I love he's just sitting there. He's still trying to understand what's going on. He's sitting here thinking about what is God really telling me to do? It's totally different than what I've seen in Scripture. What's going on here? Scratching his head, trying to change his paradigm. I love the humility there. Have you ever believed something for three, four, five years, and then someone comes in a matter of 40 seconds, shows you believe in something that's totally unbiblical? Maybe you have, but we were too prideful to receive it. Have you ever had that happen? You spend your, you, you, you've been building these arguments for years. And someone says, actually, you misinterpreted verse 16. And in 40 seconds, you're like, wait a minute. It can't be that easy. I can't be believing a lie for that long. I can't be believing something crazy. I love the humility in Peter to pause and say, wait a minute. Why, what happened in Christ? What happened in the Christ event that's making this dream happen? What's going on in my life? Look what it says here. It says, he's perplexed, and it says, behold, the men, so check this out, he's perplexed, he's scratching his head. While he's scratching his head, it says, while he's doing that, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. So he's there going around, and Simon around here, hey, where does Simon live, man? Where does Simon live? Oh, okay. So now they're at the, they're at the house, right? It says in verse 18, so he stood at the gate, called out, to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering a vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. So Peter's sitting there still kind of praying. What's going on? Holy Spirit like, man, look, hey, there's three people downstairs. We're going to figure this thing out. You need to go and be with these individuals. You see the two scriptures here? So all of a sudden, he has to go. Verse 20. And I love what he says here says, rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation for I sent them. Okay, now, who's coming to be with them? Gentiles. Right? They don't hang out. They're at his crib. They're at his house. And, oh, not only do I want you to hang out with these Gentiles, but actually I want you to follow them where they got, where are they about to go? And then where are they taking Peter? To the hood. They're taking an Caesarea. 
That's what he's taking them. And he says, hey, without hesitation, I want you to obey these guys, and I want you to go for I sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? So Peter's still kind of like, okay, I want to obey, but hey, why y'all here? What's going on here? What is up? Still doesn't know what's going on. Right? He, 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 he got the visions. He's trying to move in faith. Have you ever had that guy that's clearly just made something clear from the scriptures? You want to move in faith, but you still need to know a little more. You feel like, I just got to know more, and I feel better. But God's not giving them more. What's the reason for your coming? Verse 22, and they said, Cornelius, right, the centurion, a guy, wait, wait, guess what? Cornelius, a centurion, what does that mean? Actually, a guy who's been oppressing your people, right? One of those guys, he, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who's, a, who's kind of like a proselyte light, right? Who a Pharisee, or I'm sorry, who Peter is the leader of the, of the first century church is going, what? Who's spoken of by the whole Jewish nation. Again, people probably thought, man, this is such a cool guy. Was, the, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. I love that. So, so the Holy Spirit told him, hey, we don't know what's going to happen, but God wants to bring this guy up to this house and he's going to tell us something. Isn't that interesting? Now, I love this. So, you know what Peter does? He takes these Gentile guys, and he doesn't just pack up and go right now. The scriptures say that he invited them to his house. Because remember, they had just, probably the lunch is ready now, right? They were just cooking lunch. He says, come be my guest. And they eat lunch together, and they hang out before they head out. So, so God is kind of working in this whole racism piece, and God is working in his life, and he brings these guys over. As we continue on with the story, look what happens. It says, the next day, he rose and went away with them. So he spent the night, okay? And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. And Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. I love that. I think that's a beautiful piece of the passage there. I love the fact that, you know, he gets the vision. He's a God-fearing dude. But he knows that something's about to jump off because God has said, hey, go get this guy, bring him here. And I love that he's leading and he grabs his friends and his family and he's, he's, he's evangelizing. He's evangelizing without the gospel. He's about to get the gospel. He doesn't have the gospel yet, but he knows that Yahweh is good. And so he's like, I don't know what's about to happen, but y'all, hey, everybody come to my living room. We're going to all hang out. All right, we'll play some Sega and stuff until something happens. All right, we'll see what's going on. Right? Relatives and close friends. So Peter is, so here's Peter coming to prepare himself. And uh, this guy, it's like the Lord is using him to, to be prepared to hear the gospel. When Peter entered, it says in verse 25, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Right? And so Peter, you know, I mean, I wouldn't spend a, a lot of time on this. He, he doesn't know what's going on. All he knows is, man, I'm so excited. This is the dude that Yahweh has brought here. And Peter says, calm down. Don't worship me. You're worshiping me. Put me on God hit list. Don't do that. He'll kill me. Peter lifted him up, saying, stand up to, because he doesn't like idols, right? Stand up to, I'm a man, don't worship me. And verse 27 says, and as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. I'm just imagining, you know, he's talking with them and sharing, like, the, the journey. And he's just probably thinking, he's just going to be, t- it's him and Corn, you know, him and Cornelius about to kick it. You know, we're going to do a little something. And he opens up the door, and it's like a house full of people just staring Wow, look at the Jew. I mean, can, can you imagine? Can you ma- I, I love the fact that this is a staunch Jew, and he's going in to talk to one Gentile by faith, but all of a sudden, he has these three Gentiles who've been walking with him, so now he has four, and he opens the door, and there's a whole body of them. Now see, our body, in our local body, this is a, a hard topic to discuss, because I think we're aware at some levels, but, but I want us to understand or think about people that you have prejudice against. People that you see as less than value because of something they possess. A skin color maybe. Um, intellectual pedigree. You name it. Whatever value system you have or you place value. And I just want you to understand, like, these guys did not get along at all. They did not hang out. 
And God was asking him not to just minister to the one guy. He was asking him to go into their environment, hang out, be on, be on a journey for a day or so, and then minister to a whole group of people who were nothing like him, who in his mind did not serve the Jesus that he served. That's the picture here of God placing him in an area that he hated, that he did not want to be around, of people that he saw as less than him. And in his mind, as he's traveling, there's another one, and there's more, and there's more. And it's just increasing. This is the environment. For heaven's sake, look what he says, guys. If you don't believe me, look what he says. Verse 28. And he said to them, now look, y'all, let's keep it real. You know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. That's, that's how, hey, he didn't say hi, I'm Peter, right? Hey, how you doing? Yes, man, how you doing? No. He's like, no, hold up, hold up. I see all y'all. This is, this is crazy. I don't know what Jesus is doing. I'm going to tell y'all something. This ain't normal. This ain't me. This is just a spirit, all right? Because if it left to me, I wouldn't be here right now. That's, like, that's how you come out. That's the first thing he says to a group of people who came to hear what God had to say to them. And what does he say to them? I just want you to know that we're different. And the only reason I'm here is because of God. Because I don't know if I'm even down with y'all. But look what he says here. He says, you, I wouldn't do this. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. You hear that? But God has shown me. I wouldn't normally do this, but I'm, I'm kind of learning. I'm trying to learn. And here's why I know he hasn't arrived. You know why I know he hasn't arrived? Because of Galatians. Because in Galatians, he's still struggling with his racism. Okay, he preaches this sermon. We're going to see a beautiful thing here. But we get to Galatians. He's, he's scared to have a ham sandwich with the Gentiles because he's scared the Jews are going to say something. Right? And then Paul sees them and calls them out in front of everybody. This is after this. So I guarantee you when he's saying this, have you ever like didn't like somebody? You, you, he's saying this by faith. I, okay, I, I got the dream and I fear God. So I guess God sees y'all as like, all right. So, you know, I don't know what's going on. I guess we'll just kind of wait and see. That's the posture. It's not this posture of I get it now and now praise the Lord and let's go be on mission together. Okay. So he says, I came without objection. I asked, um, I'm sorry. He says, but God has shown me that I, could, I should not call any person common or unclean. Verse 29, so when I was sent for, I came without objection I asked then, why you sent for me? See what he does again? He says it again. I love this. He still doesn't know why he's there. You notice? He still hasn't initiated to share the gospel. Have you noticed that? Here's what I want to propose to you. I want to propose to you that he went on a a day or a two-day trip with Gentile guys and never shared the gospel. He never told them about Christ. He's sitting here. He's already introduced himself to Cornelius. He's in a room of people. And they say, what's up? And he says, I don't know. I don't know why God got me here. I mean, I know that he's got the crucifixion, the resurrection, and all that, and Jesus reigned. But I don't know why God got me here. You see that? He still is like, so what y'all want? Because I guess y'all want something. Here's what's interesting. Can I just pause for a minute and just have a, a pastoral word for our crew? You know, when I think of uh, what's, you know, when I think of hatred, I think of our broken world. You think of uh, uh, the, 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 the guy um, who, who gets beheaded, right? You think of um, the Ferguson situation in Missouri, Right, And I know there's all kinds of different people. Well, I think it's this way and that way. But I just want us to see the pain and the hatred and the anger in our world and the propensity to say, I'm here, you're here, you're in the margins, I have the power, I think you have value, I think you don't have value. That's just the way our world works. Why? Because of the fall. Because of sin. That God is saying, and God is trying to do something so drastic here, He's doing something that just goes against the framework of the world. He's saying, no, I want to remind the world that every person has value, purpose, and worth because every person is created in the Imago Dei. 
Because everybody's created in the image of God. And then what happened because of the fall is that we had audacity to think we could be our own God. And then when we did that, we sinned. We should have been destroyed. God did not kill us all. But he sent the rescuer. And while the rescuer is here and he's coming back, guess what's happened in the meantime? We in our sin have been decreating. We have been destroying each other. And just that quick, we begin to say, okay, since I think I can be my own God, I'll decide what has value and what doesn't have value. And so that's the way our world works. Sadly, that's the way our world works, right? And so that's why you have stupid people who are, who just, you know, who walk around because they can catch a ball or because they can sing. And our culture says they're God and they have no wisdom. And we look at them and we take our cues from them and we say, okay, you tell me what it means to be beautiful. And you tell me what it means to be smart. And you tell me what it means to have value and stuff. And we, and we follow these individuals who actually bring no value to the table. Why do you think we do that? Because the world has tricked us in thinking that we can find our value in how we look. We can find our value in our intellect. We can find our value in our race. We can find our value in our family distinctions. You think of a scenario, we, and we find our value in being thin and being athletic and being, I mean, you, and being strong. And you think of all the ways that you and I wake up and we say, Lord, not Jesus, I'm valuable because I was created in your image, but Lord, I'm valuable because look at my hair. I'm valuable because look at the dress I have on. Oh, look at these new J's I got. Oh, look at the job I have. Oh, look at the friendships I have. Oh, look at my girlfriend. Look at my boyfriend. And we're finding our value in all these other things. But Jesus, the world has tricked us. And that's what's going on here. You have a man who has found his value and his purpose and worth, and he loves Jesus. But man, there's a lot of stinking thinking in there, right? It takes time for God to make the sanctification process happen, right? He's working in us. He's making us more like Jesus, right? And so God is saying, there's something we got to deal with in you, Peter, because you're, gonna, you're our leader. we got to work in this. we got to help you understand that everybody has purpose and value. And no one is uncommon or unclean. So the reason why we see all this drama, the reason why you and I struggle every day is because sometimes we buy into the lie. We buy into it, guys. Don't you? Don't I? Pause and think about it. Think about what right now makes you just go, man, I need that or it'll destroy my life. I need this or I'm nothing. Only if I had this, I'll be happy. That's where your purpose is. That's where your value is. That's what you're holding dear to. Only if. If it's only if, and if the next word is in Jesus, you have stinking thinking. There's something wrong with how you're viewing your life. There was something wrong with Peter. The reason why we're here, the reason why we neighbor in our brokenness, we understand that the hope is Christ. And I'm praying that we won't be preaching a hope that we're not trusting in and believing and enjoying ourselves. I want to look around this room and see people who aren't just burdened by all the worries of the world, but who says, man, yeah, I got all these issues and I got these issues, but I am enjoying Jesus because I'm free and I have purpose and value worth in him alone. And it doesn't matter if I have these things or that thing or if she loves me or if he loves me. It only matters what Christ has done in my life. And therefore, that's why I can smile. And it ain't fake. I'm just telling you, I'm trusting Christ and his promises. When are we going to be those kind of Christians? When people say, man, that's just, you can't be like that. That's just weird. That's just not real world. I want people to say that to you and to you and to you and to you and say, that just seems fake. How can someone always be smiling? How can someone have that kind of hope? How can someone have that kind of passion? I want us to say because of Christ. Because I've, for some reason, God has allowed me to reject those plastic treasures and to grab hold of the one treasure. And when we do that, God begins to do this kind of work in us. And now we can appropriately be on mission. Look what the scriptures say. Cornelius says, I love this. This is so cool. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. I love that God was gracious um, to throw him a little, little softball there, right? 
Let me make sure I, let me sure, make sure I read all the verses here. Verse 30 says, And Cornelius said, Four days ago, man, about this same hour, I was praying in my house about the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothes. I was like, whoa. And said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. Verse 33. So I sent for you at once. I said, hey, I'm going to get my people. Go get them. And you have been kind enough to come. Thank you for coming. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. I love that. I love it. Throws him a softball. He says, hey, man, I don't know why you're here either. But what I do know is God been talking to you because God told me he has. So you probably know something we don't. And you need to tell us. <laughs> right? That's how I come to him. I don't know what's going on. But I need to know. So you need to holler at your boy. Right? That's what he says. And look at this. I love this. I love that Peter almost gets it. And Peter's like, oh, you ever had that happen? God, you, you're, right, you're supposed to be sharing your faith, and you don't step out of faith, you don't step out of faith, you don't step out So God is like, man, let me make this simple. And he throws you a softball, right? And the person's like, why Jesus? You're like, oh, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be telling you about Jesus. Oh yeah, so let me, well, the reason why Jesus, <laughs> right, he just throws him a softball here. And Peter's like, oh, oh my, oh yeah, well, man. And I love the way he starts. He says, so Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. You're asking about the gospel. Okay, it's starting to connect here. Right? He says, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable, is acceptable to him. Which, pause there. You got to ask yourself, what does Peter mean by acceptable here? Right? Because he's saying that this dude is acceptable to God. What does that mean? Pause there. Does that mean he's a Christian? We'll address that in a moment. But look at, what, look at what Peter does. He starts exalting Christ, right? He starts in verse 36. He says, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news, peace to Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. He's like, oh, so let me tell you, the, the, the reason why I'm here is because there's a peacemaker. There's a rescuer. You know that? We were in our sin. We were, we were rebellious. We should be in hell. We should be destroyed. But what God did was in our rebellion sent this peacemaker, Jesus, to us. And basically, what's cool about that, he didn't send like a second lieutenant or another captain. He sent Jesus, who is Lord of all. He actually sent the Lord to actually rescue us. That's verse 36, right? You can imagine Cornelius like, huh, Jesus, Lord of all. Okay, I think I've heard of it. And he's like, hey, you've heard of Jesus. He says, verse 37, you yourselves know what happened. You know it's been up. You, you've, been, you've been reading the press. You know what's going on. You heard what happened throughout all Judea, verse 37, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. I know you've been hearing about it because it's all over the place. Even when the whole thing jumped off of the baptism, I know you heard about the dove descending and all that. That stuff is real, man. Can you imagine? This is in history, y'all. Brother sitting here, he's preaching the gospel and telling his brother all that happened with Jesus. And Cornelius kind of feeling it. Everybody in the room is kind of like, yeah, I remember about that. I heard about that baptism. That was real? That happened? Tell me more about that. Goes on. He says, hey, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, and with power. And I love what he does there. While he's preaching the gospel to him, he says, hey, now, don't get it twisted. He's Lord of all. He is God. But guess what? I want you to have a healthy kenosis. That means the emptying of himself, right? That God actually emptied himself purposely for the sake of the gospel. That he was fully God and fully man. That's why he says this here, right? He wasn't just, right, God who came and just did everything and it wasn't even hard. He was fully God and fully man. And guess how he did it? He was filled with the Spirit and with power. This man, God, man, filled himself with the Spirit, yielded to God, and obeyed Jesus. So he can go, oh, wow. Wow, so, okay. Continues on. He says, this guy became flesh, right? Sarks is the word. He became flesh like you and me. And he dwelt among us. But he's the Lord of all. And look what he says. But he was, he was without sin. Different than you and me in the sense that he didn't fail like you and I fail. He was without sin. This Jesus guy I'm telling you about. And he went about, the scriptures say, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. He was, God was filling this dude. And, and guess what, man? People were getting released and, and free from demonic oppression. And God was just doing great work against Satan through this man, God, man, Jesus. He's telling this to Cornelius. Verse 39, he says, God was just tormenting Satan at this point. Verse 39, and, and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. All the good works we saw Jesus do. He did all these great things as we saw him. But guess what? They still, they put him to death. They put this man who were doing, doing all this good, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But guess what? 
Cornelius, the thing that blew me away, man, I mean, I actually denied Jesus, bro. Can I tell you, I denied him and I ran. But what blew me away is that this Jesus, this figure who did all these things, he died. And then guess what? But then God did not abandon his peacemaker. He actually grabbed Jesus and rose Jesus from the dead to be victorious. Can you imagine Peter telling him this? You don't think Peter is recounting the things that happened in that journey? You don't think Peter is thinking about what he did on that journey? As he's thinking about the glory, the glory of Jesus Christ and how God took him from a spiritual whip to this man of God who's proclaiming the gospel now. He says, we're witnesses of this. I saw him on a tree, man. I ran, I denied him. But then God appeared and rose him on the third day. And in raising him from the dead, all validating that the Lord of all that I told you about, he is Lord of all because him rising from the dead validates that he is Lord of all. Verse 42 says, and he commanded us. When you see all that he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and of the dead. I love the fact he says, hey, and that Jesus, that Jesus who now is alive and risen and who is Lord over the, the healthy and the unhealthy and the, and the wise and the fools and the black and the white and the rich and the poor, that Jesus, he is judge over all. And so basically the whole world, Cornelius, is only going to meet, meet Jesus as a judge or a forgiver. You don't have to meet him as a judge. You can meet him as a forgiver today. That's what he's saying. He's going to judge everything, that Jesus. And he says in verse 43, to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Now, Cornelius, man, I don't want you to experience verse 42. I want you to experience verse 43. I want you to experience Jesus, his peacemaking abilities to cleanse you and make you whole. And I love the fact that as while he is preaching the gospel, the scriptures say in verse 44, it says, while he's preaching... In the middle of him preaching, he gets saved. The scripture says, while Peter was still saying these things, he's preaching, he's going off. I'm telling you, man, Jesus is good. He's ah, doing all this stuff, you know. And all the people looking like, man, this brother going crazy. And they're like, we believe this stuff. And look what the scriptures say. While he's still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Guess what? Everybody in the house got saved. Everybody. The scripture is saying that every person he brought who heard him proclaiming Christ, exalting Christ as king, came to Jesus. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. Imagine this. Remember he said he brought a, he brought a few cats, right? Remember he said from Joppa to be little witnesses, right? They're sitting there like, oh my goodness. And they're seeing all these Gentiles. It's almost cool that it, was on, it wasn't one or two. See, Jesus knew what he was doing. He's like, I got to get a whole slew of them. So you can say, what well, I was just Cornelius. He's just a really nice guy. You know, no, no, no. They all heard the gospel and they all got saved. And guess what? How did they know they had got saved? How did they know? What did the scriptures tell you there? It says, and believers from all the circumcised were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even among the Gentiles. They saw what happened to the Gentiles was the same thing that happened to them. And they're like, oh, Okay, at first I was going to kind of deny it, but I can't now. Because I'm watching the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, fill Gentiles. Look what he says here. For they were, right, saw the same thing, for they were, verse 46, hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God, exalting Jesus. Right? The Gentiles. Can you imagine? Then Peter declared, he's like, man... Can anyone withhold water from baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit as we have? They're doing the same things we did. They're exalting Christ like we are. What are we going to do now? Say, no, you can't get baptized? No, God is showing me today that I can't call anyone uncommon or unclean. That everybody has access to the throne of God by his grace. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked him to remain for some days and they start kicking it. They're like, oh, man, we boys now. Hey, you wanna, can you hang out a couple more days, man? This is, that was awesome, man. So the, and you can imagine him kind of trying to fill them in on stuff. They're asking questions. They're growing in their faith. This is real deal, y'all. Think about it in our community. Man, I'm going to tell you a couple things, okay? Then, um, then we're going to talk about uh, some questions, and then we're going to go home. Let me, just, let me just bring this up. I first want you to see... That the text here, and it always, it's always about Jesus. It's always. And what God is trying to show us uh, is that God is trying to save 
any person. And that no one is outside of his reign of salvation. Let me ask you a question to bring that home a little bit. Two questions. First, as we look at the text, there's a lot of stuff we just talked about. Was Cornelius saved? When you look at verse 35, what does it say in verse 35? It'll get you wondering a little bit. Because we have some... um, it says, so Peter, verse 40, 34, Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, right? But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to God. Some people might think that, man, he was saved because he was fearing God, walking with God, but he just needed to hear the message. It was more of a formality issue. I just want to be really clear here about the gospel, okay? That people who do not hear about Jesus are not saved, And I think that's hard in our day and age. But I want to put a line in the sand to understand that this guy, if he had not heard about Jesus, would have been dead as a doornail and he would have gone to hell. Let me me try and prove it to you. First, you look at verses 13 and 14 of chapter 11. Uh, What does it say? If you turn in your Bibles, uh, it says that basically uh, Peter, that basically he was saved by the message that Peter presented. That's in chapter 11, okay, verses 13 and 14. Because so basically chapter 14 is, is a retelling of chapter 11. And he's going through saying it again because he's telling, he's telling his Jewish brothers what happened, of what you just read in chapter 11. And Peter says, hey, this guy, basically they're not saved. And I, taught, I, I preached the gospel and they came to Christ. Also, Verse 22 and verse 33 of chapter 10 makes it really clear that, P, that, that the father is saying, hey, this guy, heart is open. So what I want to do, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get the gospel to him. You hear me there? So I want to propose when we talk about what is, what is acceptable, I think it has a lot of meaning there. And so God knew that a message was needed for him to be saved. That Cornelius wasn't a believer and he needed the gospel. Also, verse 43 makes it clear again that no one is saved whose sins against God are not forgiven. No one is saved unless your sins are forgiven. And the only person whose blood has been shed for the sins of man is our Lord Jesus. And then finally, if you even think of the reaction in verse 18 of chapter 11, the the assumption there. When you turn that, you can write that down in your address, your address book. They did not have eternal life. It's, it was the, the, the implication was that they did not have eternal life. The apostles felt they did not have eternal life until they were able to receive the message. Now, you know what that does? Let me just pause there. I'm going to answer that in a moment. What does, what does he mean by acceptable then? I want to propose what he means by acceptable uh, is that Basically, every person, I want to propose, not just Cornelius, but that every person now should have an opportunity. He says, you don't call anything uncommon or unclean. He's saying, you shouldn't say that, man, this person isn't fit to hear the gospel. This person isn't fit to hear the gospel. He's saying that every person now should be able to hear the gospel and respond. This is his point. That every person now, it's not that we're good enough. But that God is awesome and he wants every person to actually hear the gospel. And that this individual, acceptable in the sense that God has given him the grace to want to hear the gospel. And so what God did was supernaturally made sure that the gospel got to him. I make that distinction because in our pluralistic society, we can begin to say, well, but you know what? These guys here, they really, really love God. So maybe... They're Christians. I want to propose that goes against what the scriptures are teaching as far as how salvation occurs. Here's the point there. That's why the world needs to hear the gospel. That's the point. If it was just about people being good, which there's many verses of devout Jews doing devout things who still had to hear the scriptures. They still had to hear the good news of Jesus. And I can give you a few if you want those. Acts 2 verse 5. Acts 10 verse 2 we just saw. Acts 3, verse 19. There's many different places just in Acts where devout Jews had to hear the gospel. So when I say that, because you're going to be with people, you're going to be hanging out, people are going to try and make you think, okay, yeah, maybe they are saved. Maybe, yeah, God is, I mean, we don't know what God can do. He's all powerful. Absolutely, he's all powerful. But I'm telling you, the sufficiency of Christ's blood is exclusive. Only in Christ can people receive salvation. Okay, 
my other thing is, questions from the text real quick. This is going on because of time getting, getting kind of crazy. Questions from the text. So we already talked about, can people be saved without the message of Christ? We already, already been, I hope I've been very clear there, is that no. <laughs> people cannot be saved without the message of Christ. Uh, but I also hope that we see that this text here is trying to build hope, right? Is that what are Christ's parameters for reaching people with the gospel? What's his parameters? Amen. Amen. The, my sister said there are none. There's no parameters. Is that I want to propose to you, Christ wants to get the gospel to everybody, and there's nothing that ties his arms from saying, I want them to hear the gospel. And guess what? He wants his passion for the world to hear the gospel to be our passion. This is why we go out to the world. He wants each one of you and me to be a Peter to a Cornelius. Do you understand that? That's what he wants. That's why guys are waiting. That's why we're, that's why we're out proclaiming the gospel to our neighbors, guys. And how does, when you think of this text here, how does the gospel speak to elitism, racism, classism, socioeconomic divides, nationalism? How does the gospel speak to sexism, ageism, affinity exaltation? Affinity exaltation meaning, you know, that's, that's a big I think for us that we got to struggle with. We love being around people who like us. And it ain't got to be racial. I think we, I think we, we're kind of progressive in the sense of we, we can hang around black folks. We can hang around white folks. We can hang around Asian folks. We can do that as long as you systematically think like me. You know, I, we, we, we've graduated from color. We, we graduated from pigmentation, but now we, we got issues with worldview. We got issues with systems of thinking. Soon as you start wanting something different in me though, it's like, well, what's up with that? Soon as you start doing things different than me, we're like, whoa. You know what? Get saved. Enjoy the Lord. But can you be in a separate Mac group? I don't want to deal with your drama. Right? And so, so black folks want to deal with black folks' drama. White folks want to deal with white folks' drama. Right? I don't mean, can I say it differently? No. Socioeconomic divide. Right? Ugly mobile people want to deal with ugly mobile people drama. And then we cast everybody else out. And we got to figure out a way to wrestle with that, y'all. We got to figure out a way to wrestle with that. Because guess what? It's shooting us in the foot in exactly what we came to do as neighbors. Who have you written off? Who have you written off? Is there anybody, your family members? Think of our neighbors. Who have you written off? Who have you said, I want, to, I want you to hear the gospel for 15 times and they dogged you? Who have you written off in our community? Huh, guys? It's hard. We know it's hard. But man, I'm praying that God will just fill us with his spirit and continue to give us that endurance that only the Holy Spirit can give us to keep fighting fair, keep fighting hard, keep proclaiming the gospel. Our response is simply this, guys. I just want to tell you that the gospel, when you hear about Christ, you see him proclaiming the Christ of Cornelius, it gives you hope. It gives you hope. It gives me hope because I go, man, God, look at the great lengths that Jesus goes to to save people. Look what he did. He took a dude and said, hey, this other dude way over here somewhere in Atlanta you don't even like. He, he wants to hear the gospel, so I need you to send some homies. Go get him. Right? I'm thinking, God, it could have been much easier if you just gave the dream to Peter and had Peter go. But we had to make it kind of crazy, right? Hey, no, I want you first to go get some people who are going to go get him, and then y'all get some people, and then y'all going to get him. Right? But look at the great lengths that our father goes through. What would it look like for us to be like that? Right? We get to retell his story, right? I just pray that we'd be a, a Peter to a Cornelius, guys. And, and, and just be on mission. I pray that this motivates mission in our community. Guys, I, I'm just praying Will we all have a heart to proclaim the gospel in our community. I know we're here. We want a neighbor. and We, we want to be kind. And we want to, you know, I think of like where we are. Because I feel like we do well in some of these areas. You know, we do very well. I think we're, we're aware of racial issues. We're aware. We're trying to dialogue about things. But man, between when, when, Pete, when Cornelius asks, like, hey, tell me the gospel, basically, I feel like we got to get to that point where we're proclaiming the gospel, where we're just tenacious about inviting, inviting, and, and encouraging, and drawing others in. We, I'm praying that for our local body. Can we do that, guys? Can we start saying, look, I just want to, I know I've asked you 10 times, here's number 11. Because Jesus is that good. And I'm willing to have my reputation look silly and stupid. And man, he's always in my grill. And I'm willing to be misunderstood for Christ. Are you willing to be misunderstood for Christ?
It's a great text, guys. A text that's asking us to consider what God is doing in the world. That God sees all of us as candidates for the reception of the gospel. And then by his spirit, he saves some and he doesn't save others. Be encouraged. I pray it would motivate us to mission. I think this text was, was desired. The author wanted us to see that God loves all people. And that he wants you and I to just, just, just to confess our, 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 our racism and our elitism and our prejudices. And to ask God to cleanse us. To cleanse us from that, 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 that evil. That, you know, the, the racial pride and the nationalistic pride. And that God wants us also to see there's one gospel. There's one gospel. And that if this dude who would have went his whole life giving millions of dollars, praying all day, but not hearing about the doctrines of grace in Christ, he would have still been an unbeliever and destined for hell. And I pray it motivates us to mission. Let us uh, take tithe and offering and communion in response to God's word.